the Adonis audio experience. Welcome everyone to the Adonis Audio Experience. I'm joined by Jose Manuel on this beautiful spring slash summer day. Jose, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Good morning, everybody. You know, it is beautiful out. You know, ready? We finally got some weather to cooperate with us and I'm, you know, just ready to do another one of these. Having a good time doing them. Yeah, I've been having a lot of fun uh, with you and I just putting these episodes together, talking about 90s basketball, talking about Mike Jordan. Um, I did want to get into the the past weekend, which it's so funny. We, we get so consumed into what we're doing. We got to give a shout out to our moms, man. Oh, it was great. I was, you know, I spent Mother's Day with my mom. You know, we, um, yep. you know, and my aunt who, you know, recently became a mother as well. God bless. God bless. You know. Happy Mother's Day to all the Mother's Day out there. You know, you guys are you guys are always number one. God bless to all the mothers and for you in the audience uh, to know Jose and I have different mothers, same father, right? Um, and, sure. you know, we, we got to spend it in, in our own space. You know, my mom's in Florida. Um, Jose, your mom's over in Jersey, right? Yeah, she's still in Jersey. She's still here in Jersey. Been here for, you know, 25 years now. That that's awesome, and then and then our papa was a Rolling Stone. He he's doing awesome too, man. So yeah, he's the leader of the band, you know. He's the leader of the band. That, that that's pretty awesome, man. So you know, happy Mother's Day to all the moms that are out there, and uh, you know, we hope that you enjoyed it. And as the weather gets better, um, it's just going to be more enjoyable to spend some time outside. And if you're tuning into this show, don't forget just. Plug in your, your your favorite headset, whether it's some Apple EarPods or like I use the Jabra's. Uh, shout out to Jabra! Uh, feel free to plug that in when you're listening to these uh, to these podcasts. So you know, just getting into it. Obviously, Michael Jordan, episode seven and eight of the Last Dance, and you know. The only thing I want to start off with into this episode is just to talk about, I'm just simply proud that we lived in an era that produced classic basketball nights where Michael Jordan was just dominating the sport. I mean, he was the epitome of competition. And ultimately, that is the beauty of sports. We don't just watch it just to watch it. We don't just watch sport just for participation. We watch it because we are keeping score. And that score, whether it's favorable to your side or not, it produces a certain emotion. Whether you're up or down, you are engaged emotionally. And sports and competition, it just brings passion to all of us. And those are some of the things that I really took note as we get into it and Jose, man, how did, what kind of mark did episode seven and eight leave on you? Or what are some of your thoughts on it that you want to pontificate on? Mm -hmm. 
Well, I love the part when Jordan was sitting there talking to the guy, and it's almost like he was, he was like, listen, I have to push people that hard because, you know, I didn't ask anybody to ever do anything that I wasn't willing to do. But he was, you know, and, but to be number one, to be that great, to be on top like that, you have to make those huge, crucial sacrifices. And I always make these parallels to my favorite sport. I've made that known, football. But when you talk to anybody that's ever been on the Patriots, and they're like, and then they go to another team, and they're like, it's night and day, the level of commitment, the level of focus, the level of preparation. And, you know, that's why they win so much more than everybody else. Because, you know, a lot of teams win one, you know. They've won six, you know, like Jordan won six. Ironically enough, it's the same number. But, um, you know, I just, that's really what stuck stuck to me from, from, uh, from Sunday that's pretty awesome and I just love how it opens right up into that 1998 interview with with Jerry Krause and you know that dude is just straight up a mental midget I mean I've said it in the past but he talks about you know there's no backstabbing going on here in the Bulls organization and all that kind of shit and you know he just constantly wanted to make this emphasis that organizations create the championships and it really became a huge divide between Jordan and Jerry Krause philosophy and ultimately all the players because Krause alienated everybody so it's like we we get that whole Jerry Krause moment sprinkled back in again um and it just reminded me of how unpopular that dude was and how much Honestly, he really broke up a, a dynasty of a team that probably had a couple more chips left into them. And I know you mentioned this uh, at some point in, in the other episodes that we talked about. And then we uh, we get into where they sweep the nets and uh, yeah. and how Jordan is just kind of getting tired and, you know, he's he's getting into that zone like like in 1993 Um he, he's feeling that same way in 98. I wanted to just go back to Jerry Krause real quick. Yeah. That, you know, that, you know, he's definitely made in this documentary as the bad guy, and he is. But the other Jerry, being Jerry Ronsworth, the owner, is definitely getting let off the hook because he allowed all this to go on. And he should have put that guy in his place a long time ago. And I get that. I mean, I, I'm happy that they don't take away the footage where Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan are flat out just berating Jerry Krause. They just... There was just no love, love lost there between them, but you know, as the owner, when it gets this ridiculous, you you know, you need to step in and tell them, you know, you're not blowing up my team two years, with two years left in this run. I mean, who would do that? And I just don't understand how he just allowed that to happen. You know, I don't know if they beat the Spurs in '99, but they had the right to be there. You know, they might not have been able to bring everybody back as well. Yeah. But just that, I just wanted to add that part. Yeah. No, you know what? That that's true. Uh, Jerry Reinstorf, he um, I'm probably chopping his name up like hell right now, but he 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 definitely allowed it. And but why do you think that is? Like like why is it that Jordan's got this affinity and respect for for Jerry Reinstorf and, and and for but but yeah for Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause is the lone villain in this, and, and that's what it seems like. You know, I mean, when you sign the checks, you know, you you get a level of respect with that. But he he, he did an atrocious job with that because, you know, he really just 
hid behind him and you know and i also find it disingenuous when he's talking about you know pippen being underpaid you know you could have rectified that you're the one guy that can rectify that you know and talking about how the contracts were unfair so i got i i don't know i feel like he did a poor job he you know we commend owners when they sign when they when they hire a general manager and get out of the way and let them run the team but sometimes they run a team into the ground you know, yeah. You know, and it's been a generation now, and you know he let Kraus try to rebuild that team, and it didn't work. And then he lets Kraus go. So, so Jerry Kraus. Like so Jerry Kraus is, you know, it's so funny when I think about Jerry Kraus. The only guy I think about is who do you think? I don't know. Somebody with a Napoleon complex. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so who do we know? Within the basketball organization that has a Napoleon complex. Oh, you think ah, uh, you're thinking of your guy, Mr. James Dolan. Yes. <laughs> this is James Dolan to a T. This is insecure mental midget, just do what the hell you want. James Dolan, Jerry Krause, these guys are the same person. You know, and uh, I just can't stop thinking about the correlation between the two. The only bad part is that you could fire Jerry Krause. You can't get rid of James Dolan. You can't get rid of James Dolan. And that's the shit, man. And not only that, Jerry Krause still brought together a team that had, you know, uh, many pieces that were complementary to the Jordan and Pippen nucleus versus to... Dolan, what the hell has Dolan done, man? Yeah. Look, Krause, to his credit, Kraus built the team. He didn't draft Jordan, but he drafts yeah. everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and he was the one. He he was the one that picked up yeah. Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson's probably never getting a job. I mean, he was coaching in yeah. Albany in some, you know, some, I forget the name of the league. Yeah. He goes and he handpicks him to put him on that staff. Yeah. So uh, he did some good things. I think he just never felt like he got his proper credit, and that's why he acted out that way. And up until that point, you're right, man. Phil Jackson was like an acquired taste. <laughs> yeah, he still is. <laughs> he, he still is. And then, yo, what about that B.J. Armstrong moment, man? So, you know, they're talking about, I, I think a few times in the documentary, they, they every time the Bulls lose a game, they, they really they have to embellish excuses for Mike, you know, and I just, I think it's a little much if I, you know, and the, but you know, the BJ Armstrong, you know, that game too, when they lose, like they were never going to lose that series to Charlotte. They had a bad night. They lost. And like, you know, BJ Armstrong hits like an 18 footer, you know, to basically seal the game. He don't even celebrate like that or anything. And like, yeah. they talk about whatever he did there, like it set Mike off. No, they were just going to beat Charlotte because they were going to beat Charlotte. And they Charlotte wasn't a very good team. Yeah. And, you know, but it's always got to be, I just feel like an embellished thing a little bit in at least in episode eight. Like he didn't do anything crazy there. He's, you know, he, he was just happy to hit an 18 footer. They were happy they didn't get swept. You know, yeah. and I just and then they you know, get into that, that LeBradford Smith moment. <laughs> you know, that's the same thing with LeBradford Smith. And you know, I hear people go on ESPN after the after the documentary and they say that that's true. That was a real thing. I mean, LeBradford LeBradford Smith. I can't be the only guy that had to go and Google this guy on Sunday. You know, <laughs> he 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 went and got a whole bunch of fame after that. 
He was in the league for three years and never averaged more than double figures and then went to play the rest of his career overseas. I mean, wow. that guy probably has a regular nine-to-five job. Now. Wow. Like, I just, you know, like, okay, he, he shut him down that day. I, I mean, wow. he had the game of his life against the Bulls. Wow. But I, you know, yeah, I do think it's – those two were a little played up. And if I could mention – let's just mention it now. Yep. In, 90, in 95, when the Bulls lose to the Magic, okay, they lost him straight up, you know. And it's all about, you know, all oh, Jordan has his off. He has his baseball body. Yep. You know. That could be well and good, but they don't talk about the fact that that was the worst roster the Bulls put together in the whole run of the 90s. That's the only year in that run where they don't have Horace Grant or Dennis Rodman. They didn't have a power forward. Yeah, and John Paxson had retired. You know, like, they were a 500 team. They were three games above 500 when he came back. Like, they were messing with not making the playoffs that year. Like, they just weren't that good. So, Jordan came and still elevated them a level. But, you know, it just, you know, they always have to make extra excuses. I, they just lost to Orlando, you know. And history's treated them well for losing to Orlando because if they beat Orlando and mess around and get to the finals and then lose to a better team, that scene, you know, history tells you that's a worse, that's a worse season, you know. Yeah. Lose early. Yeah. You know? Well, the you know it's funny because the the this whole series just you know creates these urban legends of of the goat right and it's all these subplots and stories that that live in infamy that is associated to Michael Jordan's greatness or his heirness but you know Michael Jordan plays a huge part in 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 making sure that those stories live on and you know, he's like that. He's just like that. He, um, I was actually watching his hall of fame speech, uh, the other night. And it was funny because, you know, when you, when you're inducted into the hall of fame, you, you have someone who kind of introduces you to the podium and yeah. And the person you pick to introduce you is someone who was a mentor or someone who had a great impact in your life and, and, and kind of went from there. And I forget who exactly Jordan picked, but the person he, he picked, picked, he picked David Thompson. He picked David Thompson and, yes. and David Thompson happened to be a all-star uh, caliber player uh, in college. He was, he was yes. a, he was a great college player and yeah. at Jordan's rival school. So I think it actually surprised a lot of people. Yeah. And so yeah. Jordan then, says, you know, I picked David Thompson. I know why I picked David Thompson. David knows why I picked David Thompson. But I know when I called him and I asked him to do this, I shocked the shit out of him. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. I remember that. And he's like, I know I shocked the shit out of him. (laughs) And that's just a testament to, to Jordan. But the point I wanted to get into was that he gets really emotional. Obviously, it's a Hall of Fame speech. When he opens up the speech, I did like how he just starts saying, in all those championships, all those videos, you saw Pippen and you saw me and every single one of them. And I like how he opened that up. But here's where Jordan and his competitive nature and the urban legends that are just these stories that are told about him just live on when he talks about getting cut in high school he's like 
here. I've invited Leroy Smith to sit here in the stands. And he was like, Leroy, same as he is now, same as he is then. He was 6'7 and 200 and something. And, you know, had had skills that were just, you know, you know, j- just decent skills. Nothing great about him. Right. <laughs> but yet yeah. the coach picked him over me in my senior year of high school. And he was just like, hey, man, I wanted to make sure that that dude knew that, hey, man, you made the wrong decision, dude. And it was so funny because the entire crowd went crazy and they were cracking up everybody in the audience. And it just he never forgot about that shit. He never forgot about the guy who took his place in high school. Leroy Smith he invited the dude to his Hall of Fame induction I mean that just tells you the kind of dude that Jordan is man he's relentless he's crazy you know that's the kind of guy he is and I mean I remember a lot of people like having issue with with his Hall of Fame speech and I forget the person who I was watching almost offending him I was like I don't know what you guys expected this is who he's been his whole life He's not going to change it one night. This is what he's going to be. He's going to attack people over, you know, petty shit at this point. Yes. You know, 35 years later when the game's been won and you won. Jordan won. It's over. Yeah. You know, and he <laughs> and he's still like, no, you cut me from the high school team. And, you know, and this one and it's just, you know, I mean, he complained about the ticket prices to the thing. It, may, it might have increased it that year. Dude. Like, you know, he he just. <laughs> That's him, you know. At least he doesn't change. At least he doesn't change. Well, you oh, know. oh my God! And you know, speaking of retirements, I wanted to get back into that that '93, where Jordan announces his retirement. Obviously, we know his dad dies, and it's just a very sad time in sports. Uh, just having his best friend pass away, the person he leaned on to the most, um, his uh, father, who was his best friend as well, and. Then Jordan goes into the retirement mode, and it's funny because that retirement speech was bigger than all of sports. It was crazy how obsessed people got, and it was almost like that retirement speech was like, where were you in life when Jordan announced his first retirement? That's the kind of moment it was like. It was it was, it was was just crazy, and then when Jordan gets into the speech, he basically says that, hey, listen, well, I'm retiring, but you know, retirement just means that I can go do whatever I want. And, you know, definitely that also means that I can maybe even come back one day. So it's crazy how Jordan always, always wanted you to feel that he was going to come back to whoop that ass. And he always wanted to, even his, in his retirement uh, uh, or, or his uh, Hall of Fame speech, he talks about that too. He says, hey, you never know. At 50, you might see me just lacing up my shorts and just coming back on the court. And, and you know, he, at, oh, at the press conference, I found, it, I found it interesting that whoever introduced him, he's only nine years into his career at this point when he's going to leave. Yeah. And that person at the news conference introduces him as the greatest basketball player to ever play. So they already thought that in 93, he didn't even have to come back and have that three-peat. Like, you yeah. know, yeah, it's crazy how they already thought it, you know. And, and yeah, I mean, that 
that that that um the interview i mean the uh, the speech you know I, I was too young but i mean i could just imagine somebody in the oh, middle yeah. of their prime just leaving and they're like i'm gonna go like lebron james saying i'm gonna go play football for a couple of years right now i mean that's that's out of this world i you know it's, yeah w- which not- lebron would probably be a freaking killer tight end uh if he went and played football he he'd probably be phenomenal in football you know, if he can stay healthy, that's the name of the game. You know, he's not going to get used to hitting low like that. He ain't going to like that too much. Yeah. He chose I, the right sport. He's not going to. Yeah. He don't like to get hit, period. But, you know, back to where you were saying, you're right, man. People were labeling Michael Jordan the greatest ever by his third championship. And I think it put some context into his airness, Jordan's greatness, because he won three more after that. He won three more after people already labeled him the greatest ever. But I think a big part about that, too, is that Jordan had this fear factor about him and he relished in it. I don't know if you noticed that in the in the episodes where Jordan is like being that tough guy. He's being that bully where he's like in practice and he's like, hey, shh, I just I just told you to get the ball. And he's looking at them and he's like using his two fingers like, come on, man, I need your eyes to focus, you know, and that. And I don't know if you noticed that intensity during those practices. Yeah, I mean, no, he rode those guys. I mean, that uh, that Scotty Burrell guy. And I saw a, a current interview with him. You know, he seemed to be all right with it. But I mean, he, you know, he really caught the right guys for it because I think some people, you know, there might have been more fistfights than just that Steve Kerr one. You know, if he, you know, if he had a different, you know, a different group of characters over there, because to get, you know, to, to have to lead in that way, you know, there's other ways to do it, but if that's the way you feel like you need to do it, you know, he definitely, he definitely demanded an incredibly high standard for himself, you he, know, and for the team. You know, he did, and one moment that I noticed, and you know what, it, it's it's why, to me, you can never say, Scottie Pippen would have rolled these bulls to a championship. Where, Are you going to go to the Ku coach game here? The Ku coach game? Yeah. Yeah, this is 94. It's 93-94 against the Knicks. Scotty is having a monster year. Scotty is leading the team. Scotty wants to take on that alpha role within the organization and the team. And what does Scotty do? Scotty, at the end of the game, Phil makes the decision for Kukos to get that last shot. And let's be real. Kukos' shot was great. Kukos could shoot. And... It was a great call. Scotty didn't like the call. So, Scotty quit on this team Scotty sat on the bench and did not come in the game and we have to emphasize this point because you're in my opinion you're automatically eliminated from any top 10 or 15 talk when you quit in the playoffs on your team and to me that was a devastating blow. And it was crazy because the teammates talk about it. And 
they talk about it because they love Scotty. And the fact that Scotty did that, that was like the number one rule. Like you just knew that that was a, that was a gimme that that could never happen. No matter how tough the situation got on the court, that could never happen. You, you could never have a player quit on you and to have your star player who everyone admired and whoever, everyone probably liked a little bit better over Jordan quit on you. It was just intense to the point that Bill Cartwright at the end of the game, he goes into the locker room and he stands in front of the team and he comes to tears crying Talking about Scotty, man. What you did, you quit on us, man. I can't believe you did that. And I thought that that was just such an intense moment. And it it paints a picture of, you know what? Scotty was all world talent. But in Scotty's head, he just never really had all the pieces. Right? That's definitely a moment he, he wants to have back. I mean, you can be frustrated at the decision, and then when the decision ends up working, too, you know, but he you can't, to ask out of a game like that, to be the leader of a team that's fighting for a playoff spot, and, you know, and that's one of the most important seasons in their careers because for them to be without Mike and almost basically win the same amount of games they did the year before, you know, and, I mean, and that series could have went either way, and then, you know, they could have ended up in the finals without Jordan, and, you know, and that would have, Put it, you know, would have would have raised his level, and it would have had, to, and actually it would have lowered the mystique of Jordan a little bit. It, but you know, it didn't yeah. happen that way. Yeah. Well, you know, you you can't ask out of that game, and Scotty gets off easy because if Kukoc misses that shot, I mean, with the team in peril like that, there's no way they're going to win in overtime because the game's tied at that point. Yeah. I mean, they could end up getting swept. You know, you know, the series ends up going seven, and and they gloss over another thing. They gloss over the historic. Hugh Holland's call, which I know was a yeah. good, was a benefit to your team in Game Five of that series, but they don't even sh- that, I, they should have showed it because it's a big it's a big deal because the Bulls if they don't get that call go against them, they really could have won that series. They could have you know broken the Knicks' heart once again, you know. And then what if they end up in the finals without Jordan? You know that would have been yeah, that would have been something really really great for them. Yeah, it, it would have been and. It didn't play out that way, which again, adds to the Jordan mystique, the legend of his airness, which there's some people, man, they're just lucky enough to have all the other pieces fall into play. Like there's so many what ifs that if they turn the other way, it takes away from the mystique, right? This like flawless uh, personification of, 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 of someone who is Superman, right? Like, like when Jordan, yeah. like when Jordan come back to the Bulls in 94, 95, and he looks at Bill Wellington and he was like, Bill, we finally get a chance to play together. He was like, and then Bill Wellington was like, yeah, Jordan looked at me. He was like, all right, Bill, you better hop on the Cape. <laughs> you know, because he's Superman, you know, he's black Jesus, you know, that's, you know, and, and, and that, and that's the point is that, Jordan just laid down the law. Jordan raised the standard. And Jordan in these documentaries, obviously he's adding the emotion for 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 dramatization. It is produced by Jumpman 23. So he's part of this production of The Last Dance. But 
he Jordan almost comes to tears when he talks about his level of intensity, his level of competition, his passion behind what he's doing. He almost comes to tears, man. And man, that that was just intense. Just just watching and seeing how he how intense he was about all of it. And if and if you didn't like it, too bad because he wasn't gonna stop. He was relentless. Yeah, very true. And and to that, I just wanted to go back because we went quick with it a little bit with uh, baseball. I saw an interview with Terry Francona, who was his minor league manager. And, you know, Terry goes into, you know, meeting him. And he's like, uh, Terry says, I want to make sure he was respecting the game. He respected what we did. And, you know, it was 100%. You know, it was 100% that way. He's like, you know, he respected what we did. He was a relentless worker, you know. So even in baseball, he was like, I can do this, you know. And Terry Francona gives him the compliment where he's like, if he dedicated, if he dedicated a couple years to this, he was going to end up in the major leagues, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's really cool. You know, that's really, you know, that's really something. No, that that is that is really something. They said that he had the work ethic that um, ha- has yet to be seen. Um, it, it was just tremendous, the work ethic he had in baseball. And that, you know, he was hitting 220 towards the tail end. And, you know, a lot of things people forget is that when Jordan first started in baseball, he, he went on a 13-game winning streak uh, or hitting streak, rather. 13-game hitting streak. And a lot of people could say, oh, yeah, you know, it's probably pitchers throwing lollipops at him because it's Michael Jordan, right? Um, but the the truth is, is that, you know, that guy could hit a fastball. But like everything else, you, you started throwing him some, some change-ups curveballs and, and then it becomes a different game and that's what separates a good ball player from someone who's not but Jordan got better and the consensus was that if he had the more at bats because baseball is just about timing and if he would have had those at bats he would have been at that major league level and and I believe that you know and especially given his determination now would he have been a big time star in baseball you know, it depends, you know, it's up and down. Um, so we, we, we don't, we don't know, but, but no, that's a very fair point. Um, the last part I wanted to touch up on is that, you know, you, you made a point about Jordan coming back and converting his, his baseball body into a basketball body. And you were like, man, that's just a poly shit. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, it was just, you know, they came back. I mean, listen, he comes in ten, like three, four games back into the comeback. He goes into the garden and has the infamous double nickel game, you know, wearing 45. I get that there was a conditioning aspect to it, but I just, you know, yeah, sometimes a little, you know, I, I don't know. I thought it might have been a little much. Yeah, I, I will say this. The guy speaking on his behalf, Tim Grover, uh, the trainer. That that's being interviewed there. Um, yes, I I've read his book, um, Relentless. Uh, that that's actually uh, the name of his book, From Good to Great to Unstoppable. And the people Tim Grover has trained is Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, Michael Jordan. W- what do they all share in common? Yeah, greatness, you know. They're all champions. And Tim Grover says that to be relentless, 
to be great in these competitions there you have to be a bad guy and it's so crazy because when bj armstrong got asked is jordan a good guy bj was like um nah (laughs) he was like in order to be that way you had to have been a bad guy in order to think that way to have that kind of focus that way you've had to have been a bad guy there's no way he could have been good and it makes a lot of sense and tim grover talks about that when he gets into the fact that when a lion is a lion to some he may appear a bad guy because the lion waits and is patient and captures his prey and he's not there asking for permission he's just being he's just existing he's using his natural ability and instinct to conquer all and then you take that same line and you put him in a zoo and now he's lethargic he's roaming around he's being fed at this you know at at specific hours he there's no motivation to move on or to grow and to be relentless and as Tim Grover puts it to be a cleaner he has this theories of closer versus cleaner and how a closer is good a closer can study tapes a a closer can be consistent a closer can be very punctual and very good at the fundamentals but a cleaner a cleaner throws all of that out of the window and becomes relentless becomes instinctual and to some he is viewed as a bad guy because he's not asking for permission for anything he's just running right through it and that's the kind of training that Tim Grover would actually put on some of these athletes to the point where he would have some athletes that if he said listen if you're not going to follow my program to the T I'm walking if you cheat I'm going to know you cheated if you had sugar I'm going to know you had sugar. You know why? Because when I put you through my sugar detox, your body's going to react like a heroin addict coming off of heroin would react. You're going to get the shakes. You're going to get the sweats. Your body's going to start reconstructing itself just because you withdrew from sugar. So I'm going to study and I'm going to know how your body's progressing because I understand the science behind it. And he puts all of that into his program. And if he knows you're cheating, he'll find out. He'll know if you had sugar. He'll know how your body's reacting to all that. And he'll kick you off his program. That's how serious Tim Grover is. So to have Tim Grover dedicate his time to Jordan. Yeah, everybody looks at it like, yeah, it's Michael Jordan. But Michael Jordan was willing to put in the work of the highest standard to get better because when you're a pro athlete what makes you different than the next athlete in the pros is not necessarily the physicality of it it's the mental component the work you're willing to put in too yes and it's 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 the it's the point one percent of improvement that you're willing to put in every day and those are the biggest differences and that's what tim grover brought to the table so to see Tim you know just just so um 
uh, featured in, into these series uh, definitely shed a lot of light and it shed a lot of light into, you know, Jordan's work ethic and to how great he really was, man. Yeah, I love when they, when they lose to Orlando and Tim tells and uh, the trainer tells Mike, he's like, all right, let me know when you want to get together. And he's like, I'll see you tomorrow morning, you know, in 1995, you know, because he's like, I got to I got to build this body back. And I mean, in some ways, that was probably the perfect person for him because, you know, the most competitive athlete ever to be with a trainer is going to push you that much extra and challenge you. And if you don't follow his way, you know, and, yeah. you know, to, to your point with BJ Armstrong, you know, where he wasn't a nice guy, you know, I keep, I really keep thinking about one guy when I think of, when I watch this, you know, I think about, I think about uh, Belichick and I think about that, that whole system there. And they say, you know, it's like, listen, it's a little harder here. It's a little more difficult. It's a little less fun, but the system works. You can't say it doesn't work, you know, and, and, you know, it, and Jordan would have, Jordan could say the same thing, you know? Yeah. There, might, there could have been another way I could have did it, but I learned this way and it worked, you know, it worked really, really well. Yeah. Well, with that said, this was an awesome episode putting together. Jose, these have been a lot of fun. We got one more episode that's coming up for The Last Dance that's going to be aired this Sunday. And then after that, we're going to be opening up the program to a lot of other things in sports, politics, life. And I'm looking forward to all of it. And, you know, one thing that I am so happy and proud to have taken advantage of is A, sharing these episodes with you, Jose. And second, that... You know, I get to kind of relive this this 90s feeling and and, and learn from it, too, uh, from a different perspective, because my emotional state was so different in, in the heartbreaks of the Knicks series and things like that, that I didn't have a chance to really appreciate Jordan and his greatness. So it's nice to be able to do that now and and, and to be able to enjoy his airness and I'm so glad that I'm able to do that with you, man. No, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. And, you know, with that said, I'm learning a lot because, you know, I, I was just being a little younger at the time, you know, not really remembering this stuff, just remembering the tail end of 98. I didn't know all the stuff that was going on. And it's, you know, <clears throat> it's, you know, it's crazy to think that, you know, they actually probably could have won another one if the team stays together. You know, it's, you know, it, you know, it's really cool to look back on that era, you know, and, you know, just reminisce about, you know, about a different time. Yeah. Well, with that said, listen, everybody, get your day going, get your weekend going. And till the next time, peace out.